do you remember that time when you said my sunglasses were gay? <laughs> I just wanted. But your glasses were gay. <laughs> wow. So. A few weeks ago, we did an episode on homophobia, and it did really well. A lot of people liked it. Uh, one of the viewers from the show sent us a message on Instagram mm -hmm. that we should do one about the trans community. And my initial reaction to that was to be like, neither me or Angel knows jack shit about that. So I think yeah. that we would be doing ourselves a disservice and trans people a disservice for us to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But I was like, maybe if we could get a guest on to do it, it would be like plausible. But I really didn't think I would be able to pull that off myself. But Angel came through in the clutch and actually knew our first guest, Miss Sophia. Yes. Hi. Thank you, Alexis, my sister, for introducing us. Yeah, I love Alexis so much. <laughs> We've met her once before. We went to a Starbucks and had kind of a little conversation just to like give her a briefing on what we were going to do. But for the most part, this is kind of like both of our first time ever really sitting down with somebody, a trans person, to hear like their story. And I will say that I am an avid watcher of your guys' YouTube. <laughs> oh God, <thank> and you. <laughs> I am so here for this cause, you know, whenever anyone really comes up to me and like asks me questions, I really don't take offense. Although I will say I don't really think of myself as an advocate of the transgender community because I really can't speak for everyone in the community being that the transgender umbrella is is so wide mm. and gender is so fluid and there is a spectrum but I definitely do see that there is a genuine cause in the sense of like expressing my past experiences in the hopes that it really does help anyone else that has seen it because I think what you were saying before is that not a lot of people really have resources and I was one of those people who didn't really have a lot of resources so if I can be that'd be great yeah so I, I just I want to like take it back okay. back to the beginnings you know like for me growing up uh, you could pull any childhood photo of myself and I always looked like a little boy you mm -hmm. know, I, I've known really since my earliest age and then the environment and how I was raised kind of shifted that for me where it made it confusing. So for you, uh, was this something that from your earliest memory you, you, you knew? Or? Yeah, like I, I knew I was a girl and since I was like five. Like you said, you pull a picture and like I have pictures, you know, a five-year-old me like with like a towel wrapped around my head and like living this full fantasy of like yeah. the, all of this is my hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like walking in my mom's heels, you know, and really just like being in tune, more in tune with my feminine side as opposed to like the masculine side. And like, I mean, I had one brother, one sister, so like I was very much attracted to like everything my sister had and they were seven and nine years older than me so like they kind of already were in their gender roles and I was like kind of like very much like open and like this about my brother but I'm like drawn to this more about 
my sister, you know, polishing your nails and stuff like that. Like dolls. I've never had a doll and that kind of makes me sad, you know, because yeah. I really wanted one. And I knew that I knew then that I would never get one. What was it like with your parents? I, I was a baby, so I was spoiled, you know, to say the least. My parents divorced um, before I was like 10. Like they were they were having problems when I was like 10 for sure when it became time for me to be like fulfill my gender uh, The gender role that ha that has been assigned to me like my dad would buy me of course like boy clothes and like he would buy Me like a lot of stuff that were like male Mm -hmm. um, like he did it to like kind of like buy my affection yeah. um, because like they were getting divorced but I felt like there were so many signs that I tried to like tell him that I didn't like that and that I wanted to be a little bit more fluid and like more feminine but that he just really was very reserved and like didn't want to you know but ultimately my parents weren't okay with it um, at first I knew I was trans when I was in seventh grade, so I don't know how old you are in seventh grade. I want to say like 13, 14, right? Well, that's like freshman year. Seventh grade is like 12. Oh yeah, like 12. So yeah. like I definitely, like I heard the word transgender. I remember where I was, I was right outside the gym, gymnasium, and I remember whispering that to myself like, oh, transgender, yeah, that like sounds right, like that's me. I don't know what it means, but like, <laughs> that's, <laughs> but that's me, uh, yeah, that's me. And then that's kind of when I like started exploring Oh, I'm attracted to boys, but I'm I'm one of them. But I'm not comfortable being a boy, liking other boys. So when I came out to my mom, being that my parents who had were divorced by that point already, um, I couldn't tell her like verbally. I just couldn't come to terms with it out loud. Mm -hmm. So I wrote her a letter, <laughs> and in the letter, I basically say, "I've always knew I was a girl. I hope that you accept me for who I am." And I came out to her my uh, sophomore year in high school. Okay. And by this point, I was already playing with makeup and like eyeliner and mascara and like wearing like totally feminine clothes. And I asked her to let me go to winter ball. That's um, the second school dance of, of sophomore year. Mm -hmm. I asked her to let me go as female. And I already had a dress. I already had like heels. Like everything was ready to go. I had semi long hair, but I was like, F it. Like I will make it work. Mm -hmm. When I when I returned home, she said yes. Took me to go buy a wig because she was like, you need to be pretty, like <laughs> you know, and wow. all of that. And then the next day, the day of the dance, cause I did it the day before. She tells me, oh, you know what? I had a dream. Like people were making fun of you and ripped off your dress. So I really don't think that you should go as female you can go as a boy that's when i really was like whoa like okay this isn't something that i can attain why isn't this allowed so was that your first time like getting an idea that there was like a threat of doing that or like yeah like i knew what i was doing that it was like a lot i knew the position i was putting myself in because i was bullied mm. but it wasn't ever like terribly physical but I knew that like I would draw a lot of attention but I I kind of had like an idea of like what my high school was like and like I I mean I of course thought that I was this incredible person like oh no that's not gonna be me like I I won't be the one that's gonna be punched or called out so you're kind of like in this disbelief on that like this is what I want this is what I'm gonna do I don't care like how I get there you know we're older we're like 10 years older than you but in our age 
like even we talked about it in the homophobia one like it was really kind of unheard of even to just be gay in high high school oh right so for somebody to do what you were doing like i cannot even fathom somebody even thinking to do that yeah when i was in high school yeah like you guys uh, well alexis was part of the gay straight alliance like you guys had that at, at, Mm -hmm. at, at our high school i tried to be a part of it but i was just so busy in high school with like just being myself like you wouldn't believe how emotionally draining it is yeah. to like be yourself when society tells you that's not okay i like like that there were stuff like that yeah before. like you know there was like an actual like forum and like you know a safety network of like people that like were for me mm-hmm. but i think the thing that like really pushed me through was like after i transitioned i presented as female my junior year of high school after familial therapy i finally got my mom after like six months to like get it together that you know, it's not about her feelings, it's about me and like how this makes me feel. You know, everybody loved me, like everybody would compliment on my outfits, like they'd tell me like, oh, you're so inspiring, this and that. And this was a time, I mean, it though, during your guys' time, it was like no gay people. That's how it was like with me though. There was only oh, like yeah. three gay people that weren't really out, right. or that only that I knew of, and then like no trans pe- people yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Like I unheard of like what are you talking about what are you doing with your body like why be gay all the way you know and it's like that's not what i'm what i am like it's just i'm being myself and being myself means i'm I'm a woman you know it's not that i'm gay or you know being something so like doing like you said you transition in your junior year like was that when you had like surgery and stuff too there, I guess like there's kind of like building blocks of like transition. Everybody transition in the sense of like referring to transgender people is different because not every person and not every transgender person decides to surgically transition, but surgery is a big part of the transgender identity and spectrum as a whole because some people are very uncomfortable with certain parts of their body and feel the need to surgically intervene. My transition starts from the day I know I'm transgender. And then it's like from there, it's like the transition into who I'm supposed to be or who I am and like, you know, coming out in that sense. So when I transitioned in high school, it was just physical. I just presented as female. Mm -hmm. It wasn't surgical. There wasn't any surgical intervention at that point because it was super expensive. I kind of didn't think about that then and there. I knew that I wanted to, but it was something I knew I was going to revisit later. Like what made you decide to go to go the surgery route? Because you said some people don't do that. Right. Like, so Mm -hmm. just talk a little bit about like what made you decide that and like what was that like for your mom and because you were still pretty young when you decided to Mm -hmm. do that. Like, were you afraid? Like, I feel like, because to me, like, that's super dramatic to even think about. So, <laughs> yeah. like, I can't um, imagine what that must have been like. Yeah, right. Can you imagine no. <laughs> what that's like? No. I wouldn't say there's, like, no particular reason for me to, that I, like, was like, oh, yeah, that's the reason. Like, you know, why I transitioned. It was kind of just like, I know I'm a woman. I know that I don't like the genitalia I was, I was born with. And that it made me severely uncomfortable. Not only just uncomfortable in the sense of like, oh, like I can live with this, like I'll make it work. Like it was to the point where like it gave me anxiety. I would wake up in the morning when I, even like when I first transitioned in high school, I'd wake up and like look at my closet. And although like my closet then was like upgraded and like now was like a woman's closet, I still couldn't wear things because I was limited because I didn't have breasts. I had something between my legs so I couldn't wear 
super tight denim um, as I can now and because of something I was hiding something and like what I was hiding wasn't even like myself it was my genitalia because it was always a topic of discussion of discussion and like associated with with me as a person like oh you're transgender that means you have this you mm-hmm. know and that's like so unfair because I feel like people who are ignorant to the issue like just say like just believe that that's all I am I was at one point male and so that means at one point I had a penis and like that's all I ever will be I want to say it was like a sophomore, no, right, a sophomore in college where I stumbled serendipitously on the uni- the university school paper, newspaper. The headline was like, three students take advantage of new healthcare, tra- transgender healthcare benefit. And I was like, what is that? Only three students of the three sister schools took advantage of a benefit that covered 70% of transgender related surgeries, up to $120,000 worth of surgery. When I read that, I was like, oh my God, 70%, that's so much, you know? I was like, even if it costs me like five, and then and that then is when I was like, do I wanna do this? Like, this is the opportunity. This is when I need to research and like take advantage of the situation because when else will I have this benefit. Yes, I was very scared, but I kind of just did my homework. And even though I tried to research and found very limited stuff, and this is when YouTube like barely was like a thing. Yeah, Yeah. it was just like for music videos. Like, (laughs) and I think like the most like YouTube thing, I think by that point was like, what? Like Chris Crocker, like from the Britney Spears thing like you know it was only it was only like very famous people on YouTube that were being followed so like even at that point I didn't think to be like oh let me like YouTube it you know Mm. it wasn't until like after because this didn't happen overnight of course right yeah my initial thoughts were just like okay here's a perk you know going to my school and like let me just like research and then like see what I can do and like go from there. I feel like a lot of people might not have an understanding of what it means to be transgender. So can you define that? What does that what does that mean? What it means to me to be transgender mm-hmm. is someone whose internal sense does not match that of what you or that person was assigned at birth. Got it. Associated to their gender identity and expression. Because I believe those two are kind of like different things. Like I could be transgender and be a woman and identify as a woman, but my expression could still be very tomboyish and masculine too. Hmm. And those two things shouldn't compromise my womanhood. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's like another, like that's one of those things too. That's like another angle that you wouldn't think of, like, or I wouldn't think of, you know what I'm saying? it It was honestly similar to a question that you asked me off camera before. Do you think it's biological or do you think it's psychological or do you think it's both? Because you yeah. asked me that before, for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So how do you feel about that? About it being biological and physiological? I mean, so, sorry, psychological. psychological. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it really does have to do with like both. I think mainly for me, it is very much psychological because it's like before it was physically, like as it is now, mm-hmm. it was psychological. And like going into that like realm of like, is this really who I am? Like, mm. a- am I okay with that? Am I okay with that enough to surgically intervene? You were saying when you found out about this insurance that you could get, when you went to like further investigate that, you found out in order to do it that you were going to have to get like paperwork 
from a psychologist, a psychologist, <laughs> a psychologist, that you have gender dysphoria. Dysphoria, right? Yeah. So, like, is is gender dysphoria defined as like a mental disorder? Yes, it is in the Diagnostic Statistic Manual. Or, a mental disorder. Oh, like a mental disorder. That's right. Yeah. So technically, anyone that identifies as transgender um, and like would like to start hormone therapy, even or would like to surgically intervene, do have to be diagnosed by a mental health care provider that they are, in a sense, mentally ill, and in that sense, diagnosed with gender dysphoria. And I remember my AP psychology teacher. Kind of explaining it to me like you can have a mental illness for anything really like you can have a mental illness for playing too many video games or doing too much of this and too much of that so that was my ap, psych- AP psychology teacher trying to like um soften, soften the blow, the blow for right. me as right. like a person like that has already had like transitioned like it got very real when i like saw the mm-hmm. prerequisites and like requirements that i needed um to surgically intervene and it was first you have to start hormone therapy that used to be a requirement it's no longer a requirement now the therapist had to write me a letter saying basically that i was sane enough to you know make decisions regarding my own health care and that i know the um, risks and what what will happen doing in doing so you'll need that letter to start hormones and then you go like okay i'm doing that what else do i need to do and then a surgeon is like well i need you to be on hormones for like a year it's called hrt hormone therapy and you have to go to your doctor consistently to check your blood levels to make sure everything is okay and being that i I hadn't surgically transitioned. I was taking spironolactone and estradiol or estrogen. So you kind of have testosterone blockers. So testosterone doesn't affect your body anymore. And you're giving your body a little bit more estrogen. So estrogen can actually have an effect on your body. But before I took hormones with a doctor, I actually tried when I was 16 to get hormones from my my like pediatric um, physician mm-hmm. and he basically like declined to do so and he explained it in the sense of like it's my moral right to deny giving this to you as your doctor because I think you're so young and like that was like fine mm-hmm. that's fair and my my parents and my older sister were kind of like well you know you're not 18 yet so like just wait I took a different avenue. <laughs> I went to Mexico um, like that year and I bought birth control and took birth control as a form of estrogen. But I realized now how dangerous that was because I was under no monitor. Like nobody was watching my health care and I realized now that was kind of stupid of me. But Whew, That's terrifying too. Yeah. I, I but, just want to mm-hmm. touch on like um, about you being that young. I, I want to ask your opinion on something. Okay. Um, I've seen a lot of stories. I've followed a lot of stories of young trans men and trans women um, at a very young age, like let's say seven or eight or nine, and their parents will go on and say that they're you know, raising them however they want to be. Right. Like, they support mm-hmm. them. In the comment section, it's just all being just badgering the parents for allowing their children Mm -hmm. to do that. So do you feel like a kid knows or where do you stand as far as? (laughs) Well, I'll, I'll put it this way. Being the person that I am and if I have children, I would let my children wear and do whatever they want until 
whatever age, you know. If they're telling me at seven years old, mom, I think I'm not a girl, I think I'm a boy, you know, I'd say that's fine, of course, that's totally acceptable. You just do what your little heart desires mm -hmm. and we'll have this conversation again when you're like 14, 15. And what I would do as a mother, now that I'm fully informed, is if at 14 and then 15 years old, there's a persistent, like, since they told me at seven and like seven years have gone by and they're still very committed to this like idea that they're a transgender mm -hmm. I probably would take them to therapy so I can like make sure I'm taking the proper protocol as like a mother um, but not to th Christian therapy in the sense that like I think it's wrong it's just more of like I want my son or daughter to explore themselves fully with someone like a psychologist to fully understand right, themselves. Right, to fully understand the decision they're making. Mm -hmm. And if at 14 and 15 they tell me, Mom, I still would very much appreciate if you were to allow me to take hormones or do this or do that, then I would say yes. And then I would tell them, I would allow you to take hormones. And once you're 18, I would pay for your any surgical inter intervention or surgeries that you would like. But I would want to wait until you're 18. That's mm. just me as a parent. Totally. You know, I oh, no, wouldn't it's a great yeah, it's a, I wouldn't I wait. I wouldn't surgically intervene if they were 7 or 15. Oh yeah, totally. No, mm -hmm. I wouldn't. When you were doing all this research to get the surgery that you, you were getting, you were in school for law, correct? Right. Yeah, by that point I had um, chosen my major to um, you know, do pre-law basically. Um, it was criminal justice at UIC. I was already working at a small uh, family law firm, general general practice law firm. So mm -hmm. do, like, do you think that knowledge helped you in like the further pursuits that you've done so far? Of course, yeah. Working at a law firm has certainly helped me just as a person. Like it's made me understand that like there are so many confounding variables in anybody's life and how you really cannot compare any two people's lives like ever. But it really didn't come until until that point where I was going to surgically intervene and I was only talking about like bottom surgery because I knew that that's what that article I had stumbled upon was referencing. But I had mentioned to my doctor at this point that like I also wanted to have my breast done and he was like well you know insurance might consider that cosmetic yeah and then I said well why um, if it would be medically necessary or part of transition for the opposite of who I am somebody that's trans male the removal mm -hmm. of breasts would absolutely be considered not cosmetic mm -hmm. so why wouldn't that be the case for me so I sat down and I wrote a letter and I wouldn't have done that, I don't think, if I wasn't used to writing demand letters for mm -hmm. my firm. Like, how did I get there? Because a lot know? of people wouldn't even think yeah, of that. They exactly. just like, oh, okay, fuck. They would have been like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, it's my breast, you know, or mm -hmm. like, yeah. So I sent it with the request of breast augmentation and vaginoplasty. Fortunately enough, um, it worked. No questions asked. My insurance covered it. And, you know, I ended up having surgery through my university, at my university, um, with Dr. Lorraine Schechter, and, you know, here I am. Like, it's very good. And then if we want to get into that part of, like, the psychology of it, why it is medically necessary, it is medically necessary because of the illness. 
of gender dysphoria. So it's kind of like being diagnosed as like a blessing and a curse. Hmm. You're diagnosed with a mental illness, but to treat the mental illness, doctors indicate certain surgeries to fulfill a gender or an identity. So in my case, it was vaginoplasty and breast augmentation. So Hmm. my letter basically said, this is why I want breast augmentation. Hormone therapy isn't sufficient in the long term. If I stop taking it for either medical or financial reasons, like let's say my doctor says, you know what? I don't want you to take hormones anymore because your levels are too high by themselves. Now that I had bottom surgery mm-hmm. and kind of eliminated the facility that's responsible for making testosterone, um, testosterone and estrogen. Mm-hmm. And I, let's say I didn't have breasts. So it's like if I stopped taking hormones for that reason, for a medical reason, then the breast tissue that did develop, although not a lot, will begin to break down to establish the physical appearance or the you know that attribute that's female breast augmentation would certainly fulfill that. It is the opinion of my primary care physician, mental health care providers, that it is in fact medically necessary. To switch gears, Mm -hmm. probably the question that I think everybody wants to know, what is like the dating world like for you? 